Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Critically Acclaimed, the movie review podcast where good taste and bad taste explode. Does that mean we have good, we no longer have good taste nor bad taste, we just have taste? I, I think um, it's, a, it's a metaphor. Ah, of course. The metaphor defense. Yes. <laughs> Introduce yourself, William. My name is William Bibiani. I am a critic. Everybody calls me Bibbs, and I invented the metaphor defense. Uh, no, that was that was the song MacArthur Park. Oh. Uh, I'll explain it in a moment. My name is Whitney Seibold. Okay. I, too, am a critic. And um, uh, Dave Barry once wrote a uh, book uh-huh. about bad songs. Ah, of uh, which there is no shortage. Well, uh, he conducted a poll among his readers. Like, what is the worst pop song and there were like pretty strict mm. uh, definitions as to what constitutes a pop song uh-huh. uh, and MacArthur Park ran away with it it was like handily the worst pop song ever it, written if you don't know the song MacArthur Park wasn't mm. it written and performed by Richard Harris uh, I believe so Richard Harris who's best known today is Dumbledore uh, the original Dumbledore before Michael Gambit and Jude Law um, and uh, listen to that fucking song that's some the, yeah, the, the, the lyric, someone left the cake out in the mm, rain, is given I, such a portentous and reading. I, and, I, and I don't think I can take it, because it took so long to bake it, yeah. and I'll never have that recipe again. Uh, and I, I, I honestly the, have no the, idea. The defenders of the song say, no, no, that's a metaphor. And uh, to which Dave Barry said, okay, it's a metaphor. It's an incredibly stupid metaphor. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> well, for what? Yeah. <laughs> like, what are we talking about? It's, it's a metaphor for that time I left my pie out in the rain. Uh, <laughs> the cake is really a pie. <laughs> there's there's actually the opening of that movie, um, Vertical Limit, oh, with the, uh, the, Chris O'Donnell. Mm, and uh, it's, it's a red mountain Mar- climbing movie. Martin Campbell directed it. Martin Campbell movie. Yeah. Opening, the opening of Vertical Limit is actually a really harrowing opening. It's a pretty good mountain climbing movie. The, the, the movie's okay, but I've been, I think the opening is even better than the movie. It's just about a mountain climbing incident that goes horribly wrong. Not unlike Cliffhanger, but... You know, whatever. It's still thrilling. Um, the movie opens with a father trying to explain to his two kids that no, MacArthur Park is a real song. I didn't make that shit up. <laughs> <laughs> and it all leads to horrible death. So, yeah. and uh, that's why you come to Critically Acclaimed to learn stuff like that. We, we we tie in the song MacArthur Park to the movie Vertical Limit, a movie you didn't even know about that movie, did you? We haven't been on the air for four minutes yet, and we already we already pulled that shit on you. <laughs> so welcome You're to welcome. Critically Acclaimed. Yeah. What, what are we reviewing this week? This William? week we're reviewing the new releases, The Batman. Not just a Batman. Yeah. The uh, horror movie Fresh, uh, the sci-fi drama After Yang. And uh, I guess it's a vigilante thriller called Asking For It? Yeah, it's a re- fair, 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 v- vigilante revenge yeah. thriller. Look, I didn't see that one, so, but Whitney did, so he'll be reviewing I, that. I did. I, I, yeah. I rented it and watched it. Now, my question I, for you, Whitney, and we yeah. did not discuss this before the show began, but I'm going to leave this entirely up to you. Okay. Do you want to talk about the Batman first, uh-huh. or do you want to talk about the Batman last? Let's, let's get the Batman out of the way. Let's because, get the Batman um, out of the way. Uh, yeah, Following you, your lead. Usually, usually we like to sort of tease it. It's like, let's talk about the big movie, and we mention like, the obscure like, one. We, we could do, like, let's talk bad. about a movie about vigilantes. Okay, here's asking for it. Let's talk about the best Colin mm. Farrell movie opening this week. Okay, it's after Yang. <laughs> <laughs> let's talk uh, about the best movie with a supervillain yeah. in it. Okay, that's fresh. <laughs> uh, played by... Uh, one well, of the actors from the Avengers movies. That's true. Uh, yeah, that's he's, true. He's, he's plays bad guy in, in Fresh. Uh, no, the Batman is the latest in a long string of Batman movies. Yeah. Uh, this one is very, very long. It's three hours in length. Yep. It's directed by uh, a fellow named Matt Reeves, who 
uh, I guess, has a bit of a following after uh, the mm-hmm. three Planet of the Apes films he made. Oh, he made two Planet of the Apes movies, to be clear. Oh, he, made, he didn't do all three. No, he did... Uh, Rupert Wyatt did the first oh, Planet of the right. Apes yeah, movie. Yeah. He took over for Dawn of the Planet of the Apes and War for the Planet of the Apes. I, I like I like Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. I like Dawn War, a lot. War of the Planet of the Apes, less so. Uh, I, think Dawn, I think War of the Planet of the Apes never earns its portentousness. Yeah, yeah um, it's, it's really... Cold and intense and harrowing and like they kind of forget that it's fundamentally kind of silly. I yeah, think. Th- this is an ape movie. Where, yeah. Where's where's like scale the, it back a the, smidge. The metaphor We're, for yeah. this, like the satire. The, the, the metaphor is uh, I saw Apocalypse Now once. Like I've never yeah, been a fan and, of war, but I've, and, and I've rewatched it because everyone's like, oh, oh yeah. you should try it. You should watch it again. You missed it. I'm like, okay, fine. I rewatched it. It's not. It's not. I don't think it's no, very good. No, I think. No, I, I think it's one of those movies where it's serious tone and grim imagery. Uh, make it seem great, but I actually find it very mm. kind of superficial. It's just yeah, kind of speaking. brushing up against the big ideas mm. without really exploring them very well. And uh, it's okay, I guess. And, I just uh, think it's very interesting. Speaking of brushing up against grim imagery without having anything really important to say, let's talk about the Batman. Oh, uh, snap. hey, Sting. Um, we're gonna we're gonna. By the way, and this is gonna be frustrating for me because a lot of my problems with this movie, and, and I'm more mixed on this movie than Whitney is. Yeah, I, there's stuff I, I like here, there's stuff I don't like, but. Um, a lot of stuff I don't like goes into spoiler territory, so I'll try to allude to that okay. without going into a lot of detail, which is going to be right. a little tricky, and I might need to edit it myself if I accidentally give away a spoiler. But I basically, what we're doing here, uh, when we review a movie that is as... Uh, has so much hype behind it and so much yeah, anticipation. Big, big, big high profile yeah. movie. The concern over spoilers is a little different than if we're reviewing something like After Yang, which mm. a lot of people don't even know is out, and they're not going to be as tormented if we reveal something that happens 40 minutes in. Um, so we're going to do the best we can to respect the movie, because it is a mystery. Yeah. It is structured as a mystery. We're going to respect the mystery. We're going to not ruin that. But we may have to allude to some things vaguely in mm. order to make a coherent point. And maybe later on down the road, we might do a more in-depth talk about it if people want to talk about it on We've Got Mail or yeah, something. But for now, we're just, right. we'll try to do this relatively spoiler-free. But we will need to talk about some stuff in the movie, so fair warning. Yeah. Um, so we're, we're catching up with a new Batman. Mm-hmm. This is, uh, uh, Robert Pattinson now plays Batman slash Bruce Wayne. He's rarely Bruce Wayne. Uh, in fact, he's in every scene in the movie. Uh, this is a pretty straightforward pretty single much, yeah. single thread plot. It's not super complicated. Like, yeah, it, like, like there, there's the opening. Gets, there's the opening murder, but like that's yeah, it. Everything there, else there, is Bruce there's Wayne. There's a, a yeah. little bit, uh, yeah. you know, sort of convoluted uh, a plot. But Batman is always there to witness it. Mm-hmm. It's not. There aren't any of those frustrating scenes where we have to wait for the character ca- to catch up with something we already know. That's true. Uh, that's I, true. I appreciate that. for a movie that's uh, three hours long. There's not a lot of dilly dallying. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and. Uh, this is a rainy version of Gotham City. It looks a lot like sort of an industrial version of New York. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, it's like New York Cross with like Detroit or something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, so it's all very, you know, very miserable. It's always raining. I, I, yeah. I, I assume it's the Pacific Northwest. It's usually supposed to, Gotham City was, like, Gotham was actually a term that was often used to describe New York City. Before, prior to Batman. Right. So the, which is where they got the idea of Gotham City from is like a name. Uh, so it's usually supposed to be New York, depending on who's telling the story or how they decide to visualize mm. it. Sometimes it's New Jersey. Sometimes uh, Christopher Nolan decided it was Chicago, mm. so he made it look more like Chicago. We have made the argument in our Batman podcast on Patreon, where we're reviewing every single episode of the 1960s Adam West series, that we're pretty sure that version of Batman is in Miami, uh, mm. uh, is in Miami, Florida. Yeah, it's it's yeah. definitely in Florida. It's uh, like yeah. a, a standard for Florida. Um, yeah. 
Uh, yeah, this is uh, a really sort of uh, grim, wet version of of, uh, mm. of New York City, uh, very akin to the New York you might have seen in a 1995 film called Seven. Mm. Uh, Although Seven is... is not explicitly New York, the idea of Seven is supposed to be like any city. Yeah, I, I understand. They actually that. shot it in L.A. Uh, it's 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 New York. No, it's I guess it, it could be L.A. Yeah. as well. Um, yeah. Uh, and it has a, a there's a serial killer at large. Yeah, his uh, name is the Riddler. Calling himself the Riddler, and uh, he's modeled very heavily after uh, Zodiac, the Zodiac killer. Yeah, there's a lot of Zodiac killer. A little bit of influence from the serial killer in Seven. A little bit of influence from, from Jigsaw. He's got the, some death okay, traps. The Batman is Seven. Uh, it's it's just Seven. <laughs> it kind of uh, is. Yeah, it's, it's Seven with with Batman as an investigator. If that yeah. sounds interesting to you, hey, go have at it. Well, I'm actually going to um, say this right now. I actually think that that's. One of the more interesting sort of things I find about this version of of Batman mm. uh, is the idea that we've reached this point. It is the year 2022. Mm. And the old-fashioned aesthetic we're going for. Like when Tim Burton did Batman, he went for the aesthetic of... Uh, like it, silent movies. Yeah. German expressionism mm. and sort of an industrial aesthetic. Uh, when Joel Schumacher did it, he was going for more of a six, City, yeah. more of an Atlantic City '60s vibe. Mm. When uh, Christopher Nolan did it, he went for more of a grounded Michael Mann vibe. And now Matt Reeves has taken over and sure, bring your own aesthetic to it. And the aesthetic that he chose was David uh, Fincher. <laughs> well, he, cho- what he chose. I think overall, what he chose Seven is obviously a major touchstone, but I think he's taking as a sort of a visual gospel that whole post silence of the lamb era of thrillers from the 90s yeah, yeah. where things got pretty damn grim dark and we're looking mm. at stuff like obviously seven as we mentioned but something like eight millimeter mm, or, or kiss the girls yeah. copycat uh double jeopardy those yeah, kinds of movies exactly yeah. and uh, honestly bone maybe, collector maybe yeah. not so much double jeopardy but like uh, yeah, yeah, yeah but like but it's it's in there i just don't think mm. he, he was influenced by it. But, um, did, did you ever see the film Night Moves with Christopher Lambert? You know, I've never seen all of it, but yeah, I know what you're talking it's, about. It's yeah. it's really really similar to something. Yeah. So like this idea of a sort of a pulp murder mystery kind of vibe is it's interesting to me that we've reached a point now where that's like retro cool. <laughs> like we, we've had so many we, movies we were that were fetish- first came we've out. had so many movies that were fetishizing the the aesthetics of the '80s, yeah. And yeah. now we've hit the like the main theme of this movie, like musical theme, is something in the way by Nirvana. Mm. It, they play it multiple times throughout yeah. the film. Like well, that's I, that's interesting I, to me that that's considered like old school thriller. Well, now. I, I I think it's the, the the good era. That that all makes sense given the age of the directors we're looking sure. at. Sure, because you know Matt Reeves is only a little bit older than we are, yeah. so he was you know in his. 20s in the 90s sure. and uh, so yeah that's sort of a lot of the the influence yeah. he was growing up as, I, as a young man i just think that's uh, of note and i don't think that's a bad thing i actually mm. like that aesthetic i think it's interesting think, that we're bringing it back i think it's it's uh, sort of a way to uh tr- try to gussy up something that's not terribly interesting quite frankly um, yeah. I, I feel about this way the same way i feel about joker uh, mm. the, the Todd Phillips movie yeah. where they used a lot of very powerful aesthetics and good mm. music and some yes. pretty impressive performances and cinematography a lot of is great costuming all the and technicals in yeah. Joker are very impeccable yeah. all to tell a story that at its heart is actually pretty pat and not yeah. as, not as very complex, familiar kind of shallow not as yeah. complex as all of those aesthetics would have you believe and I feel yeah. that way about this Batman film as well yeah uh, so yeah Robert Pattinson is this um Batman, he has just the worst dialogue, all of these really I am the knight kind of uh, monologues. Who are you? I am vengeance. Yeah, that kind of stuff. I would go with Batman for you. I feel like Mm. you've got like a bat logo, you got the bat ears. Maybe Mm. you should try Batman instead Um, of vengeance. No, I'm vengeance. 
in, in a rather amusing twist, this version of Batman is just sort of welcome onto crime scenes. So That's like, weird, right? He's like in the bat suit and so is just sort of walking around with the all police these invited, uniform like cops. The, the idea yeah. is the Riddler kills a guy at the beginning and it mm-hmm. sets in motion a series of slayings and every single one of them involves riddles that take Batman like deeper into the heart of some kind of conspiracy involving a cops lot, lot and organized crime and, 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 and the mayor's R- office. Really, really off the rack police and gangster pretty 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 i mean i I, it's not a bad idea but like it's it's Mm -hmm. not in and of itself it's not unique although we really have to be fair we really haven't seen like the detective side of batman in any of the live action movies before except for like a couple of asides i i i think it's a big part of um the christopher nolan movies a little bit, but it's not mm. like this. This is played more like uh, this is more like a mystery. This yeah. is more like a Sherlock Holmes thing, but if, but with Batman. There's yeah. a lot of like clues. There's a lot of him actually like solving puzzles yeah, and crimes and things. And, 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 and if he's, I he's, like that idea. He's but, Poirot, and he has his own book in the form of uh, of yeah. Commissioner Gordon. He's not a commissioner yet. He's just Detective Gordon. In this yeah, yeah. One. But uh, but played in any by, case, played by Jeffrey Wright. So it's a, a yeah. two hander for a lot of it. Yeah, which which is fine. But mm-hmm. uh, in any case, um, yeah. So there's a serial killer. He's killing people, and in addition to leading people down this primrose path towards revealing the the dark secrets behind Gotham City. He's also leaving messages specifically to the Batman. Mm. So they invite the Batman onto the crime scene and the police are just like, there's a couple of police are like, should he be? Isn't he a criminal? Like, is that okay? And, and, my, and, and Commissioner Gordon just says, he's with me. <laughs> I, my One of my favorite bits in the movie, it's, it's, it's later on, but it's not a spoiler. It's like someone's like... um. Batman like picks up a piece of evidence mm. and the guy's like hey is he allowed to do that isn't that like re- something that could like invalidate the case and Gordon's just like we're, we're gonna let him do that I'm like well, oh the, we, the, we are the, the, the jo- <laughs> I thought the jo- we were the good guys the <laughs> joke is well he's wearing gloves yeah. which is admittedly kind yeah, of funny but still it, the idea is that he's not deputized here he's not the Adam mm. West version where he's part of the cops but they're doing that but thing he where he's cop, hanging yeah. out he's hanging out with the cops mm. that's something we haven't really seen much of from Batman except for a little bit in the Joel Schumacher ones uh, and 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 the 60s movie I'm not yeah. the 60s movie but like the 60s movie the Joel Schumacher ones but uh, the Tim Burton ones he was way outside the purview of the police the Nolan ones most of the time he was like they were chasing after him yeah like the idea of Batman being cozy with the cops is something that it, it it's not wrong because it's perfectly valid but it's been so long since we've seen that in the movies mm. that it took me a while to get used to that because yeah and a lot of things it just it's just weird to say like here's this grim and gritty cop movie and we've got like cops with gloves and they're picking up blood and stuff like that and we gotta analyze the spatter hey batman and yeah. uh, <laughs> like, what <laughs> this is normal now <laughs> this is where we're at and uh and the suit, I mean, it looks like a movie suit, I guess. Yeah, I like the, this movie the, suit, the, actually. The, the plastic that they're trying to make look like metal. I, I actually like this movie suit. I like that it's basically the, the Batman, like, Kevlar or whatever it is, mm. is basically padding, and then he's just wearing pants underneath. Like, <laughs> yeah. he's just wearing pants. pants like, and, I, I, and like, and just, like Doc Martens. Yeah, yeah. He's, and he's got, like, some, like, cocky pads underneath like that, but he's got, like, you know, kind of a chainmail shirt, mm. and the cape looks pretty good, and the helmet looks pretty good. Like, I, I actually like the overall look of this Batman. Yeah. I think it's one of the... I think it might be my favorite bat suit so far. Uh, I actually yeah. like it. Cool. I think it looks cool, but I, that's... I, there's a lot they, of aesthetic they, stuff they, in this movie. Some, like. Yeah, some aesthetic flourishes. Yeah. Like, like the Batman suit, for instance, has like a little Dracula collar. Yeah. Makes him look a little bit more. Well, it protects sinister, his neck um, and it hides the fact that, like, you know, a lot of the Batman suits, he couldn't move his neck because yeah. it was like kind of attached to the suit. It was that big cowl. Yeah. Thing, Here you yeah. can just get away with that. You can just hide the fact that it's not attached and you, also, you aren't calling attention to the fact that his neck is exposed. He has a little nose piece so yeah. he can actually breathe through his nose so we don't have the. Um, the that like the, rock the solid 
hunk of well, nose. And, and yeah. so many of the previous costumes, the actors had to sort of like stick their lips out. It was like yeah. they're wearing a, a, a swim mask. Yeah. Uh, this one, they, they sort yeah. of let him have a little it, bit more freedom of it's, breathing. It's a little bit more practical for the actor. It looks more practical for the character. I, yeah. I like this suit a lot, actually. Right. Yeah. Uh, the plot takes uh, you know deep into this mm. web of corruption mm. uh, that will eventually involve a, a kidnapped young woman mm. and her quote roommate <laughs> Selena Kyle. Yeah. Uh, her her queerness is not made explicit in the movie, which no. is really frustrating. Uh, no. She she calls her the, her roommate baby in one scene. Yeah, uh, you could kind of infer that they're lovers. There's a lot to infer here, but uh, they she... they don't outright use the word right. bisexual. They don't say that they're girlfriends, yeah. that they're living together, that that they sleep together. There's a lot together. that's None implied of that. here. There's no yeah. kisses. Um, yeah, because again, it's, it's still it's still a, a big budget movie that they want to release in a lot of international markets where you're not allowed where to talk. Where there that. are bisexual people that Agreed. would be good to be seeing oh, that. Maybe. I am not making yeah. an excuse. I am talking <laughs> about their bullshit rationale. Yeah, it's it's just for just to be clear. I would have loved my, if we could be more. My point explicit. is, it's still bullshit. And, it is. Uh, but she's played I, by Zoe Kravitz, and by, Zoe Kravitz yeah. is great. Zoe Kravitz is is a fine actress. I've I've seen her in good movies and bad movies. Yeah. What uh, I what I actually think is interesting. She, she was in an X Men film uh, a while back. Um, I think she was in First Class. Was she in First in, Class? In, like, was, like she, uh, uh, was she Angel, the one with the wings? Was yeah, that? Okay, yeah. So, so it's been a while. So yeah, um, she she played um, like a wasp like character. Yeah. And now she's in a Batman movie. And, yeah, and she was in she, Mad Max Fury Road. And, and she was recently and in Kimmy, which is very Michelle good. Michelle Pfeiffer played Catwoman, and then was a wasp in a Marvel movie. A little bit of cross there. Oh, I see what you're getting at. Yeah. Okay, now it makes sense. Um, I, Zoe Kravitz's Catwoman. I'm going to say this right now. Uh, has a better arc than Batman does because well, she actually she, has an arc. She has she, a meaningful. She, well, she, she actually has like, a goal uh, well, she, that runs parallel to Batman's. What happens is uh, Batman is swept up in this uh, story that involves uh, you know crime boss played by John Turturro, mm. uh, another crime boss, the Penguin played by Colin Farrell, under a lot of makeup. It looks pretty convincing. I still don't know why you needed Colin Farrell to play him, although I do think he's good in the part. You just you get a guy who looks like you that. A, you don't need all the save some really? money on makeup. You know? Yeah, it's a weird choice, but I guess they really wanted that makeup Oscar. Um, and uh, she's swept up in it because she has her own mission of revenge against the crime boss uh, Carmine Falcone, played by uh, John Turturro. Um, and she is on a mission of revenge for reasons we'll find out later on. Uh, and she is perfectly willing to kill. And over the course of meeting Batman and working with Batman. Mm-hmm. She changes. Um, whereas I feel this is the thing for me that I think keeps the movie from feeling anything other than superficial. Mm-hmm. Batman, who you, as you mentioned, is in practically every scene, practically every frame of the film, uh, has almost no story really of his own. He's, he's just he's, he's there to he's solve the crime. He's yeah, there to solve the crime. He's 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 the investigator in Law and Order. He's Sherlock Holmes. Most mysteries don't change Sherlock Holmes. Well, he comes in and he solves there, the problem. There's, there's a little bit of an existential crisis for for uh, Batman slash Bruce Wayne mm. when he also realizes that in this gigantic web mm. of of uh, complications, mm. his parents are somehow involved. Right, and I was going to uh, get to that, and uh, and I'm not going to say how or why. No, but, that, but that would they, be rude. Yeah, there's there. It's it, it, it's a gigantic it, yeah. uh, conspiracy that involves a lot of players, and his parents are, are right. ancillary players. But the, all I, of that. the idea is this: at the beginning of the movie, um, he we see almost n- almost none of the film mm. has Robert Pattinson playing Bruce Wayne. There's a couple of scenes with Alfred. There's like one scene where he goes to a funeral. Alfred is played by Andy Serkis in mm-hmm. this version. Good casting. I like Andy Serkis a lot, um, but he's almost never Bruce Wayne, and. 
a lot of people have pointed out, well, the plot is he doesn't want to be Bruce Wayne, he wants to be Batman right now. And I'm like, that makes sense. I get that that's what they're explicitly stating. But by never showing him as Bruce Wayne, mm. by never showing him interacting with people as a person, as, as opposed as to a, citizen, a knight, yeah. you know, like as opposed to a, a over-the-top caricature of a person, which he's doing intentionally, we never really see what being Batman has done to him. We never really see the mm. human toll that that has taken. We never really see what disconnects him from humanity that makes him only want to be the Batman. Yeah. And as a result, when the Batman goes through something resembling a change at the end, but we never see how that affects Bruce Wayne or how Bruce Wayne will interact with people from now mm. on, it ends up feeling pretty minor because I feel ultimately... The character arc that Batman goes through, people will say like, oh yeah, well he learns to be like, not so focused on vengeance and be more like inspiring as a hero, which is not a spoiler, that's very thin. Um, uh, and it's and it's really rushed. It's, it's really like, rushed. It's, not, it's, it's, it's in a voiksover. It's not a big part of the It's movie, mentioned in a yeah. voiceover. And like it's the like, idea that feels like a, a studio cover. It's like we need something yeah. to kind of like, make it feel like together, make it yeah. feel like it was Bruce Wayne's story in some mm -hmm. way. And like so but the but here's the thing though, it's like at the beginning of the movie, what's the first thing we see Batman doing? Saving innocent lives, beating up bad guys. Mm. And how does he prove that he's changed at the end of the film? Well, he saves innocent lives and he beats, beats up, up bad, bad guys. guys. Yeah, He's not actually changed much. Mm. And I think that removing Bruce Wayne from the equation, which I get they wanted to focus on the Batman. Mm. They wanted it to be like an old, like a proper comic book Batman story. We don't see a lot of Bruce Wayne. It's kind of irrelevant to the tale we're telling. But when you remove that, we're not getting that humanity from yeah. the character, well, and I was, I was, I, I'm, I'm kind of okay with that with yeah. a character like Batman because he is a broad caricature. He's yeah. Batman, for goodness' sake. Um, uh, I, I don't necessarily need for him to have like a really meaningful arc as a character. I, I'm and not asking I, for something was, huge, yeah. but if you're going to give it, I want it to work. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I, I think it's just another thing where they're sort of padding this thing out to a three-hour running time. Yeah, and they're making the story so complicated. That we're tr we're meant to extrapolate from this movie something kind of meaningful about humanity, and I don't mm -hmm. think it's there. Oh, it's not, and that's that's uh, the thing. Like I feel like the know, mystery, you know, the point of a mystery isn't just to figure out who done it; it's to figure out why, like mm -hmm. what happened to all of these characters that gave them the motivation to commit these crimes. What is the secret truth underlying everyone's facade? And we never get that for most people. And honestly, once we do solve the mystery, and I'm not going to ruin who did it or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, it's pretty much, and the person we thought did it, did it like that kind of well, thing or like, yeah, or like, or like we thought maybe this person was bad. They're fine. Like there's not actually like nothing, are, no one's perception yeah, of who these yeah, people yeah. are has dramatically changed at they, the end of this they, thing. They, they it's all of, pretty much reassured. They state the thesis right at the start. And while yeah. there's like a few twists and turns, none of them are so, uh, yeah, like change a lot of the fabric yeah. of what's going like, on in oh, the story. Was it evil guy number one who's the one we're all looking for? Or was it evil guy number two or three? Oh, it was what was evil, one of them? It was one of them, and it yeah. turns out that um, evil guy was evil. Oh, uh, shit. Yeah, that's like, the big re reveal. Which, um, and again, and all the little also, clues and stuff are really, really fun for the yeah. most part. I like the idea. There's like a gag with a thumb drive that's pretty I love pretty the thumb drive funny. gag, yeah. that's, There's good, like, individual bits of business, but the question is, what do they lead to? And I don't think they lead to much. Mm. I think they lead to something that's pretty patent obvious, and, and which indeed, is uh, they're kind of just hiding it under style and mm. length and action uh and the film also has a really frustrating tendency to offer up some pretty high stakes and yeah. then retract them almost immediately yeah um there's a, a scene where we think a character's dead but they're not yeah uh, there's a scene where it looks like um something has been revealed but then it wasn't yeah. uh, there's a scene where it looks like uh 
someone might have been corrupt, but they weren't. It's like they do it at least three times in the movie where there's like some big revelation that actually would have changed the nature of the story. Right. And then they immediately walk it back in the following scene. It's amazing how, and honestly, I think Matt Reeves gets away with it so well because he's uh, kind of hiding it behind style. Uh, Yeah, a lot of of really impressive style. But like once, but like once that washes away, once you cease to be impressed by how like neat it looks, you realize that what's actually being conveyed underneath all that is actually not that interesting. Mm, And that's really, really frustrating. And so we get a lot of these kind of cool surface scenes. There's this one car chase everyone's talking about. It's covered in an interesting way mm. uh, where like the camera is always locked down on the Batmobile. So it's always looking forward at the penguin as he's chasing him, but the penguin's camera is always looking back behind him. And it's, you would normally never cover a car chase like that, which Mm. is like two cars mounted on cameras mounted on cars. But, um, it's a cool sequence. There's like trucks that explode and everything, mm-hmm. and it's all fucking awesome. And it's like, okay, so Batman really needed to get to that penguin, right? He really mm-hmm. needed to get him. And uh, in order to do that, it was totally worth the collateral damage of destroying all those vehicles and probably seriously injuring or killing people in the process. Mm-hmm. And then what emerges from the Q&A with the penguin after that? Now, I'm it's, not going to reveal it's, what, it's, but it was not fucking worth that carnage. No, and it, in fact, it... it ends in this sort of like almost comedic Q&A kind of a with joke. the Penguin. Yeah. The, the Penguin's sort of a comedic character in this movie. Yeah. Uh, he, like he's, he's a crime boss, but he's not like in and of himself threatening. And he's mm. actually like, he'll sit down with you. He mm. sits down with the Batman and has a conversation. <laughs> I kind of like that, actually. I thought that was mm. kind of fun to just to see Batman be casual with people. Uh, I feel like as a character, um, just, just sort of generally speaking, yeah. uh, I know the character has you know, 80 years of history. but And many iterations, yeah. all of them do at this point. There's 80 yeah, different Catwomen, uh, 80 different Batman, 80 different Penguins. If you look at sort of like the fundamental idea of Batman, it's yeah. it's a rich man in, in a suit. Like yeah. he's not, not a, a special guy. He's just he's, sort of he's a, not a suit. Well, he's, he's, he's like special a, because he's dedicated his life he's, to training. He, yeah, he's but a, like, a freelance detective yeah. who, who, who fights and has no compunction mm. beating up bad guys. Yeah. Uh, it, it makes more sense in that with that idea of Batman that mm-hmm. he fights organized crime, sure. human, human beings up to no good. Yeah. This idea that Batman is always fighting like big wacky characters mm-hmm. who are like breaking out of asylums and like mm. you know making sort of you know, like the Joker is like I made a I made a five foot penny and I'm gonna tie you to one side and then flip it. Uh, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's, like, a, it's a different vibe. Uh, it's that, a different vibe. We're not. We're keep, not there keep, yet. Keep in mind, I do like that kind of oh, stuff. That's, oh, that's all. But, right. uh, there, you know, that's the thing. There's no like. Some people made a big deal about. Oh, this is such an accurate Batman to, to one to which version. version. Yeah, which version? Is like, it there's a to? million different Batman. They're the one all on the TV, pretty valid. The one on the '60s TV show is accurate to yeah. a Batman as well. Yeah, there's there's a lot of different versions of Batman. They're all pretty valid. They made their choices and they stuck hmm. to them. In some cases, they gain something from that. In some cases, they lose something for that. Again, I maintain hmm. this is pretty soulless. In a lot of ways, except yeah. for the Catwoman arc, I think Zoe Kravitz is really bringing it. Yeah. But most everyone else is just operating with within the plot. Yeah, they're just functions of plots. It's, it's uh, and the the plot isn't so interesting and so revelatory uh-huh. that it warrants all of this extra meat that's hanging off. Not really. You know, no. Trim trim it down a lot. Yeah. Oh, excuse me, knocking things around. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I found the film to be just terrifically dull. Yeah. Uh, you know, a lot of good individual bits, a lot of fun details, a lot of fu- fun things that you can sort of have conversations about. But uh, yeah, at the end, I felt like I wasn't, I hadn't gained a whole lot from this yeah. movie. That, I, that there wasn't a lot that was really entertaining me or engaging me or engaging yeah. with sort of any, any ideas. Yeah. Uh, I, I, it, I, it's like, hmm. it's like their ambition was incredibly modest. Yeah. They just wanted to make what was essentially 
baseline reading Batman. Well, I where guess... they're not going to deviate from any kind of norm. I, I mm-hmm. feel like every version of Batman. Everybody says that's the most accurate one. Everyone that comes yeah, every along. Every new one that happens. Yeah, yeah. The only one they didn't say that about was, I, I think... Batman and Robin. Bat- yeah, it was Batman and Robin. Yeah. Uh, and, like, yeah, they're, they're just trying to... Every time they come around, it's like, no, no, we're going to do sort of, like, just the straight version of Batman. We're going to get Batman right this time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And now this feels like your ambition was just to give you... The, was, the most straightforward, boring version yeah, of Batman the, you can. The idea was to give you the, the sort of er example, the yeah, sort of prototypical Batman, example, which some yeah, people yeah. have argued we've never properly had. I disagree, um, but, but whatever. Who but cares? Again, they, they said but, it out every time. But you know? and, but who cares? Yeah. That's the point. It's like this is this is a, this is a version of Batman that in this particular form has never quite made it to the screen. And for people who really like that version of Batman, this is definitely going to feel like a breath of fresh air. Oh, mm-hmm. I've always wanted to see this. Thank you very much. Um. But beyond just that aesthetic, if you want a story that actually feels like a game changer for Batman, this is not it. This is actually pretty rote and ultimately Mm -hmm. doesn't lead to a lot of significant uh, new interpretations of the character or anything like that. The the one thing I I tweeted about this and I gave a quick tweet my reaction to Batman because I I wasn't able to see it early. I wasn't able to publish a review early. So I figured I'd wait for the podcast, but I'll give my quick thoughts. And one of my thoughts, and I've mentioned it here, mm-hmm. was that I think the film's choice, it's obviously a conscious choice, no one's pretending it's not, to sideline Bruce Wayne as a character mm-hmm. makes the film lose something. I think it loses mm-hmm. a lot of the soul of the character. And some people say, like, well, it's not Bruce Wayne, he's Batman. They're the same fucking person. Mm-hmm. I know there's this whole thing Duality about, like, thing, like Batman's. Yeah. Like, there's, a, there's a one point where the, where the Riddler says, yeah, the mask is the real you. And I'm like, yeah, it's the Riddler saying that. Mm-hmm. I don't think we're supposed to take him as gospel no, right well, now. And, and that's that, that was a big part of uh, the Tim Burton film Batman Returns. Yeah. Uh, where the, Duality. The, yeah, the duality. the, the ma- Like, how, how honest is the mask? How honest are you without yeah. the mask? Which is and, one of the reasons why that's Batman why Returns is, is my favorite Batman movie because mm-hmm. it understands it, the, the it understands why... how how liberating and indeed uh, it, it's kind of a cold movie but there's yeah. most certainly a sexual element to yeah. it um, and about, funny too, yeah. uh, about sort of putting on the outfit uh, yeah. and you know sort of using that superhero mm-hmm. as this weird uh, facade for sexuality what, what I like about Batman Returns mm-hmm. the most I think over time is that I think it's the only Batman movie Every other Batman movie picks a side of Batman they're going to use. Is it going to be the funny Batman? Is it going to be the sexy Batman? Is it going to be the action Batman? Is it going to be the dark and gritty Batman? And I think Batman Returns may be the only movie, I know comics have done it effectively, but maybe the only movie that understands it's all of those things. Yeah. They don't, you, you, you can't live without one of them forever. You can't be humorless forever, but you also can't be just jokey forever. You can't ignore the psychology and psychosexual elements, but you also can't pretend that there isn't a surface level thrill here. Mm. So Batman Returns is maybe the only one that actually tries to balance all of those elements and talk about the the characters in an intelligent way while also having weird goofy bits Mm. and fun action and really gross, scary stuff. And I think it's, it does it, that really well. It, it's the horror stuff in Batman Returns. And I appreciate that. Um, But my my point was this, my point was this, um, they chose to sideline Bruce Wayne so they can tell a story about Detective Batman. Fine. I think that as a result of that, you lose a lot of the character of Batman. A lot of people said, you don't understand. He's he's It's year two. He hasn't made his choices yet. Like, I don't care about that. You had three hours to tell a story. You could have put some more character development mm-hmm. in here. But then someone made the point. While they were chewing me out and calling me really mean names, 
So I, I did block them, but they made a good point. <laughs> oh, they yeah. made a good point, and their point was this. Their interpret and no one else had said this. All right. Not yet, anyway. I've muted the thread since. I just didn't have the time. But uh, no one else, everyone else had just said, hey, he said he didn't want to be Bruce Wayne, therefore it's fine. I'm like, no, that's a creative decision that they made. It's not inherently mm-hmm. good or bad. Someone pointed out, while they were being mean to me, this Batman is autistic. Oh, there you go. And if, I'm going to say this. If he yeah. has that sort of obsessive uh, yeah. sort of focus on small yeah. details. There, there's a lot that, of. That could be read as being on the there, spectrum. There's yeah. a lot of different elements of this particular version of Batman, the way Robert Pattinson plays him, everything from the social anxiety to the emphasis on hyper detail, um, that could be interpreted as autistic. The movie never comes out and says it, well, but it could I, be interpreted I, 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 as autistic. I, I, and if well, that's the. They would just say it, but. If uh, that, well. There is also a story element that comes in later on that I can't go into in great detail, which brings up the possibility of a history of uh, mental health issues in the, in the Wayne family. Oh, yeah. uh, I think it handles that storyline incredibly badly because I think ultimately the movie says it's something to be kind of ashamed of, uh, which is fucked up. But regardless, it is supported that, you know, this this may be an issue. That he's dealing with. This may be the Batman that we have right now. And if so, that is interesting. Mm. That is an interesting choice. In order to really make that dramatically interesting, not just as an idea, you need to show it. Mm. And they don't get an opportunity to do so because we never see him as Bruce Wayne. We only get to see him under the mask where he feels comfortable. Or or if there's a a moment um, where, even if he's still in the outfit, Mm -hmm. like he's at a crime scene and he, uh, like... Let's say he has like some sort of obsessive like habit, mm. like uh, something. And we don't. Would... And by the way, this is not all autistic people that we're talking about. No, we're, no, we're just, we're just I'm, speaking I'm in general. Like, like, how can if, we dramatize if, this better? If this, yeah. if that was their goal, if this was to show a, yeah. a Batman who was on the spectrum, yeah. And you, I think you, they would need to communicate that in <laughs> ways other than just being exactly his obsession with crime. I, I, and so my point is that if that is your interpretation of this Batman, which they never explicitly say, and if they wanted to, they could walk it back. I think it'd be a mistake. Mm. Um. Interesting, but I don't think it's dramatized very well. And I think they could have done a lot more with it that would have made the character more engaging mm-hmm. rather than uh, less. Uh, uh, we'd feel more connected to him rather than less connected yeah. to him because we understand what he was going through better. Uh, whereas, as it stands, just having it be subtext is okay, it's interesting and it actually changed my perspective of the film a little bit. But it's I don't think it's ultimately handled very well. Mm. I think ultimately what we've got here. Listen, I like this. Show, I like this movie more than you do. I know we've talked, spoken almost exclusively about the criticisms, and that's because the stuff that I like is pretty straightforward. Well, it's the surface I, stuff, right? I, but the surface yeah. stuff is cool. Like I actually, I, I will say this. Um, I actually really like the overall visual aesthetic. I think the cinematography is interesting. Mm. Um, I I like a lot of the ideas for the storyline. I think the overall structure of how they use the Riddler is very different from other versions of the character. Mm-hmm. The Riddler is my favorite Batman villain. I make no bones about that. This is a very different version of him. Maybe not my favorite, but I think it's neat. I think they mm-hmm. did a good job with that story element. Um, I like the way that it feels like Gotham is kind of fully formed and we're not really introducing everything. We're just kind of dropping ourselves into the middle of it. Mm-hmm. I think that is a that's something we can get away with in superhero storytelling now. And I think they're confident and they get away with that. I appreciate that a lot of the action sequences are filmed in a way that are is, is very atypical for the genre. And I think That's they true. actually it's, went it's out of their a way lot, to... A lot of, yeah. uh, swirling CGI cameras. Yeah, not a lot the... of show-off-y stunts. Like, mm-hmm. there's a whole bit where, like, Batman has to jump off something and it's covered in a very distinct way. And mm-hmm. it looks really cool. Um, 
I like the overall stylistic stylistic elements. I think the cast is uniformly good, whether or not their mm-hmm. roles lead to much. They're all good. John Turturro's great in this. It's been a while since I've um, seen him play, get a meaty role. I, I haven't... I've seen bad movies with John Turturro, but yeah. he is always good in his movies. You want to see a, you want to see a bad movie where John Turturro kills it? Collateral Damage with Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> yeah, he's got like yeah. two scenes where he's in a jail cell with Arnold Schwarzenegger, and it's like someone told him this is a Coen Brothers movie. Like, mm. go for it. He's always killing it, and he's yeah, really he's, good. He's been in several of those uh, Michael Bay Transformers movies. Yeah, and he's uh, always given 110%. Yeah. He's, play, he's goofing it up for the kids, mm. you know, which is fine. But you know, that, that's that's a note he can work on, isn't it? Um, yeah. Do, do you ever see, um, was it, mm. I think it was called Aging Gigolo. Aging Gigolo? What, what was the, the movie Avenge- where he- Avenging Angelo? What do you, no? The, the John Turturro movie where he played a gigolo. I think it's called Aging Gigolo. I don't know that one. Um, uh, he was really good in that movie. Okay. Yeah, I, 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 that totally flew by me. Um, so yeah, the cast is good. The aesthetics are good. I didn't like not enjoy watching the film at all. I just felt shockingly little considering how much time they had. How much like literal screen time they had. How much they tried to cover in terms of like revealing stuff about mm. Gotham's backstory and Bruce Wayne's backstory. Apologies. It was called fading gigolo. Oh, okay. You're close. Like, yeah. I see. It still doesn't, still doesn't yeah, ring a bell, uh, but he, yeah. he was in it and he directed it as well. And yeah, uh, he's directed yeah. a few times. Didn't he do like the illusion defense as well? Uh, yeah. 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 He's played a, a chess master. Uh, but, um, so like I ultimately, I just feel like it's a whole lot of a do for a, Pretty superficial takeaway. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I liked it more than you. I don't think it's like a. a I don't. I'm not going to give it like a C minus at the end mm-hmm. of the day, but it's definitely not a C plus. There's a lot of things here that just are really holding it back, and mm-hmm. it just feels like they wanted to look like they had the ambition without actually achieving anything genuinely ambitious beyond the aesthetics. Yeah. And that There's... is feels like they're pulling your punches. Chris Nolan. I'm not to compare. But Chris Poland didn't pull punches. Like, he at least tried to, even when you could oh, yeah, argue that yeah. some of his decisions were a mistake. Like, Dark Knight Rises, it takes some big swings in there, and some of them are weird. Uh, yeah, but he's trying there. Tim Burton tried to do something weird. Yeah, Joel Schumacher yeah. tried to do something weird. And I feel like here we're trying to, to toe the line. Yeah. To we're do trying to get as, it. We're trying to hit the notes that you want, audience. Not weird as possible. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't. I'm not sure if I get sort of the sense that it's pandering because they're not doing. Uh, it's I, I, not a lot of fan service. Here, here's know? something I admire about the movie, and it's kind of hard to say that you admire a movie for what's not in it. But, uh, uh, but give, given when, when you're what, aware of when there's so many yeah. different versions of it, and you're aware of what the options are, mm. that you know that the decision not to include something yeah. was a conscious choice. Exactly. Yeah. So the, the idea of introducing well-worn characters mm-hmm. that audiences have a connection to already. Yeah. Uh, in a very non-flashy sort of way. When yeah. we first see um, uh, Catwoman in The Dark Knight Rises, there's yeah. kind of a reveal. Like, she is like actually in disguise moment. as a yeah. maid, and then she's, you know, kind of changes like, character like, very silence. And, and the whole audience can go, ha-ha. She, she gets to you know, do something yeah. really slinky out the window, and that's like, oh, that's a fun moment. And yeah. I like that moment. I like, yeah. and I like Anne Hathaway in that movie. It works but, um, uh, but yeah, that's very showy, isn't yeah. it? Or, or um, trying to think of, like, when... Like the Riddler first enters the room in Batman Forever. It's like you can call me the Riddler, and he's well, already wearing. Well, there's the a outfit. good, there's a good bit. Uh, it's it's not a great movie, but like at mm-hmm. the beginning of Batman Forever, you see half of Tommy Lee Jones giving oh, yeah, a monologue, yeah. and then only at the end of it, when he like completely like but, yeah, pulls yeah, a 180 and gets fully manic, does the camera turn around and you see that half of his face is all scarred up. That yeah, really terrible makeup job. Blind, right? stinking, stupid, do not clueless lock. <laughs> um, 
Tommy Lee Jones has given one bad for per- performance, <laughs> and it's in Batman Forever. Uh, I, I don't think he knew what he was doing. Uh, he was I just sort of why, like cackling you, you and just doing get, this generic do get, villain Why monster. do you get Tommy Lee Jones, like one of the best actors you can possibly get? He can play really people. like subdued and nuanced. Oh, that's the thing. And, yeah. He can play quiet mm-hmm. more intensely than any other actor. And I get he's playing Two-Face, a two-sided character. Why do you only tell him to play it up? Shouldn't it be half and half? Mm. Isn't that kind of the point? Is that he's half Harvey Dent, this like man about town, you know, respected citizen, lawyer, guy with principles, and half homicidal maniac? Here, here's what I love Why about is he that. only homicidal maniac? That always bugged me about that movie. Why is he only one side in that <laughs> yeah. movie? It's so weird. Here, here's something I kind of appreciate about that version of Two-Face. Uh, yeah. he, he lives in a polycule. He has two girlfriends. Yeah. And uh, one of them is played by Debbie Mazar. She's like the, the goth girl, the suicide yeah. girl kind of yeah. girlfriend. Play, the names are Sugar and Spice. Sugar and Spice. And Sugar is played by Drew Barrymore. She's always yeah. dressed in white and feathers. Yeah. And um, yeah. I like to think that Harvey Dent, you know, were he not Two Face, would still be dating Drew Barrymore, like yeah. like this sort of like feathery lightweight character. Yeah, uh, but he would, but 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 it's only after he became yeah. Two Face that he also gets to date he, Debbie he, Mazar. He would he would he would be dating Drew Barrymore, but there would come that point because he's like a politician and like a celebrity he's, he's where a, just a journey, Debbie though. Mazar is the person that he ends up sleeping with at a bar. Oh, there you, you know, like he's like totally different from his wife, yeah. that kind of thing. You know, like that's the kind of like now, now he gets to date both of them simultaneously. Yeah, like one of my like I, I, my favorite version of Two Face is still from the animated series because they actually mm. did a whole bit about how he had a split personality before his face was scarred. Oh, okay. and the, and the and the scarring just solidified it. Like it just made him. He wasn't trying to fight it anymore, mm. and so you got to see that he was a really. A person dealing with serious issues. That's a really good version of that character. Uh, um, I, I do not... I, I love Tommy Lee Jones as an actor. That is, the, that is one of the worst Batman villains we've ever had. It's so bad. It doesn't work. But um, anyway... I, anyway, I, I, but, I wrote... Uh, it took me all day, but I yeah. did write an article uh, for Slash Film. It was yeah. one of those you know sort of click, cl- clickable articles where it's just yeah. ranking all the villains in all the Batman movies. Yeah. And yeah, I, I put Tommy Lee Jones right near the bottom. Yeah, who was your who was your who was your Doctor uh, Do- Daka is the worst from the nineteen forty three serial. Okay, well, Cause, cause okay, because it, it's yeah, like that's, just that's total racist stereotype. Then yes, that's, they got an Irish actor to play a Japanese man. And uh, okay, well then there's no beating that. Yeah, you can't, can't most really people most people wouldn't even include that. Kudos for you for yeah, doing it. A, um, I always appreciate when you're like, oh, we're going to review every single one of these ever, and what they actually mean is the ones we saw. Yeah, and I'm like, no, you should do the damn research. Come rank on, all it's not that... four of the Star Wars movies. Like, what yeah, the just... shit? Like, come on. <laughs> like, oh, it drives me up the wall. Um, so anyway, uh, and at the end of the day, yeah, yeah. I, I, I was just, I, I didn't feel any yeah. kind of exhilaration during yeah. Batman. I wasn't excited by it, uh, and yeah, just yeah. walked away from, from a pretty boring, dull kind yeah. of a flick. I, I, I again, there's stuff I like about it, and I'll probably watch it again someday. Maybe, maybe give it another chance see if there's something that like I didn't catch up on it. But I feel pretty confident in my takeaway. Uh, but there's definitely stuff I like. It is far from my least favorite Batman movie, like really far from it. But it's also really far from my. It's not even in my top five. Mm. Uh, but I honestly only think that there are like 
one or two genuinely bad Batman movies that don't have a lot to recommend them. And even those mm-hmm. usually have a couple of fun bits. Like uh, Batman and Robin is, I know, I know there's been like some attempt to reclaim Batman and Robin as kind of a camp masterpiece. It's, it's a fucking chore. It's actually, it it's really I, hard to sit through. I want to get there with you. I'm yeah, totally like, okay it, it, with a camp of, Batman. Like, color and crazy stuff in it. But Conceptually, it is just, that's it is all a good idea. D- difficult it's to sit through. It's awkwardly more, yeah, edited. It's the storytelling is, and... is junky. There's it's, too many it's characters. It's also ugly to look at. It's not it's attractive. Not a, yeah. what, how did you do that? That's the thing. The thing you can say at the very least about Batman Forever is everyone looks good great oh yeah like yeah. he just that was the whole thing Joe Schumacher wanted to do a sexy Batman we're gonna do Batman and everyone's mm. hot and I'm like okay yeah let's mm. let's do that that's gonna, that sounds great and then cast, he just you know Studley yeah. Val Kilmer and you know, yeah. make Nicole Kidman like and look like, like a 40s movie siren and then he's like I'm gonna do that but everyone's like a little less hot and I'm gonna make the cinematography a little murkier and the camera angles kind of warped mm. and uh, it's and gonna he, actually be kind of hard to look at him almost gonna, of the time. it's gonna be more expensive but look cheaper somehow <laughs> yeah Anyway, well, I think I think the cast probably was a big part of that price right, tag, yeah. but anyway. But anyway, The Batman. I liked it more than Whitney did. I'll probably be kinder to it at the end of the day when we do a review wrap-up. But yeah, I, I, it's, I don't think it's particularly good. Um, but let's move on, because that is not the only movie that opened this weekend. Nobody's talking about the other movies, and that is a shame, because at least one or two of them are really good. Well, I, I want to hear you talk about After Yang, okay, because I missed say, this one, and I really want really to that. see it. I've heard a lot of good things about okay, it. So, so tell, tell me about After Yang. After Yang also stars... Colin Farrell, uh, who, Col- play, who played Batman? Who, <laughs> yes, he played Batman. Didn't he? No, he didn't play Batman. He played the Penguin. I, I, oh, he, he played. Uh, We're gonna do this. He played Bullseye in Daredevil. He did play Bullseye in Daredevil. He's actually I, good. I, 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 I like that he's movie. Been yeah. like a oh, couple I don't like other, movie. I other comic book stuff as well, hasn't he? Oh no! I'm thinking of SWAT. He was in the, the he was in SWAT adaptation he, he, of SWAT. He's done some action stuff. He's in Miami Vice, which is a very good movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the things I like about Colin Farrell is that he'll do the big stuff. You know, he'll do Saving Mr. Banks or whatever. He'll do Studio mm-hmm. Fair. But I think it feels like his heart and soul is in the quieter indie stuff. And it, this is one of my favorite Colin Farrell movies. It, not that he gives a particularly showy performance. In fact, if you like put him side by side with the Batman and After Yang. You probably wouldn't recognize him, uh, mm-hmm. but this, this is a very peaceful, sweet and kind movie. Um, Colin Farrell uh, plays a father in the future. It's an interesting look at the future too, because initially you can't even tell it is the future, and then you realize that okay, what is different? Well, one thing is different about this future is that uh, at some point in this somewhat semi-utopian future. Uh, all of society seem to have gotten around uh, renewable resources. So okay. there aren't a lot of synthetics. All Everything's right. really earthy. Um, and uh, But also, nobody in the film has their own children. There's, huh. he, has a, he has a neighbor, played by Clifton Collins Jr., great actor, uh, and all his kids are clones. Uh, meanwhile, Colin Farrell has a, a, an adopted daughter. She's Chinese. Mm-hmm. Uh, with his uh, wife, played by Jodie Turner-Smith. And in order to make sure she feels a connection to her cultural roots, which they don't pretend to be, you know, Chinese, um, they have purchased a robot named right. Yang, played by Justin H. Min. So it's like a human-looking robot. It's a human it's, it's It's the, they, what do they call them? They call it like a, like a, a, a techno-human or something. But right. it's it's... 
kind of like a new kind of life, basically. But it is it is artificially made. Um, and he's designed to be the perfect sibling. And also he's full of knowledge about uh, her Chinese heritage so that she can learn more about that and not have that part of her life neglected. Because mm-hmm. Colin Farrell and uh, Jodie Turner-Smith, whoever well-intentioned, aren't part of that. Um and the fact that this is a, an actual function of these kinds, this isn't like a unique robot created just for that purpose. This is a thing that happens a lot. So mm-hmm. I guess there's a lot of adoptions going on in this future. But we never really get into that. At the beginning of the movie, we see them in their domestic family life, and they're super happy. Okay. And then Yang breaks. Just breaks down. He breaks down. It's like you get a red ring of death on your Xbox 360. It's oh, just they, broken. And they have to hire Melanie Griffith yeah. to go into the, the wastelands to go get a new one. Yeah, it is kind of like a, 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 a chill act. Cherry 2000. Cherry yeah. 2000 is one of my favorite sci-fi movies. And it is about <laughs> a future. And this is movie kicks ass, by the way. Uh, it's, it's, it takes place in a future where, A, there's been an apocalypse and half the world is like a fucking wasteland. Uh, but B... Uh, sexual politics have gotten so complicated that singles bars, people mm. bring their lawyers. And yeah, this, Lawrence Fishburne plays one of the lawyers. It's really funny. It, it, um, was, it was made uh, uh, during the AIDS yeah. epidemic and uh, how... Uh, that changed the, yeah, casual sex Exactly. Forever, yeah. You can't just sort of go to a bar and, and yeah, have casual sex because now there's a risk of... Yeah, everyone's being a lot more cautious. Even more yeah. diseases than before. And so the premise really. of Cherry 2000 was there's a protagonist uh, who has a sex robot that he lives with. It's his girlfriend slash wife. And at the beginning of the movie, she breaks and it turns out that she's an older model. And the only way to get the replacement part is to go into the Mad Max Badlands. So he has to hire a tracker played by Melanie Griffith to help him fix his sex butt. It's great. <laughs> Tim Thomerson plays an amazing villain in it. He's got like, it's it's like, imagine if like, um, um, Immortan Joe mm. and his gang of like badass mutants, uh, were like um, were like a cheerful cult, like a cheerful yeah. one. Where it's just like okay, everybody. Like there's a bit where Tim Thomerson is like telling his guys to go kill everybody. It's like okay, be polite but firm. <laughs> like just mm. anyway, Cherry Two Thousand is great. But uh, the idea is Yang is broken, hmm. and unfortunately, even though he's under warranty, he was under warranty with the store they bought it from, but not the manufacturer because he was refurbished. So they can't get him fixed. <laughs> they got a refurbished model. So That's pretty funny. So a lot of the movie is him trying to, if possible, get Yang fixed. Mm. And if not, well, we'll have to have a talk with... The daughter knows that he was a robot, but they still care about him. And over the course of the movie, he becomes he begins to understand what life with their family was like for Yang. A sort of burgeoning form of artificial intelligence... That oh, yeah, may but... actually have had a complicated inner world that mm. they never even seriously considered because to him, they cared about him. Mm. But they cared about him maybe the way that you'd care about the family cat. Like, mm. you care, they mean a lot is... to you, you'll be sad when they go away, is but a... they, you don't know, you don't know what they're dreaming about. Is this like an artificially intelligent robot? Yeah. Or does it just look like a human? No, it's artificially intelligent, All but right. he, he's got distinctions in his programming. And a lot of the movie is about people remembering Yang. Mm. And... We finally, at some point in the film, we actually get a chance to look at Yang's memories. Mm. But it's not just Yang's, it's not just he recorded everything. Mm. He actually had a choice of what to keep, of what memories to keep. Ah, So what memories are important to a robot and they're not what you might think. Hmm. And it's incredibly beautiful 
to see these like people who are they're leaving relatively normal lives. He owns a tea shop. She works at some kind of business somewhere where they, I think, advertising or whatever mm-hmm. like that. They leave a relatively normal, semi-affluent life. Um, and just this ra- raised awareness of the humanity of someone mm-hmm. that they took for granted, loved, but took for granted, becomes this sort of flowering state of raised consciousness mm-hmm. where they truly come to an understanding about someone. It's like, imagine if after I died... Okay, let's say I died before you do. Probably will. 50-50 shot anyway. I'm older than you, dude. I know. <laughs> but I make bad choices. No, I don't know. <laughs> like, oh, I bet I could jump off this clip and land on my feet. What do you think? Like, Anyway, but whatever. Let's say I died before you do. And let's say you had an opportunity hmm. to rifle around in my brain. Uh-oh. And... I'll, I'll do that anyway. <laughs> would, wouldn't you? But like, but let's say you could right, let's say you could uh, actually like look in like through like through your memories through your stuff, Oculus yeah. Rift or whatever like that, and you can actually see my favorite memories of you. Mm. That would be a profound experience. Oh, I wouldn't want to do that though. Well, you don't have to yeah. do that, but it would be a profound experience if you did. Mm. And that is something that this movie is actually trying to get at: is like, what is it like to live inside an artificially intelligent mind that is also maybe there's a great bit where he's talking to a clone uh and he's talking about like who who knew yang mm. and he's like did yang ever t- say he wished he was human and she's like that is such a human thing to say <laughs> what is so fucking special about being human why didn't why did you ever think about being yang like you, you it, mm-hmm. it's something we've talked about this a lot when we're talking about star trek in our Star the, Trek the podcast on Patreon. Well, the character of Data and even Spock, where this idea is that, oh, they're not human. They need to learn what it's like to be human. And it's a very geocentric kind of view of sci-fi. Yeah. The idea that everything revolves around us and we're going to use characters is, who are not us to yeah. help us explore what it means to be us. Which but, is, is forgivable when you re- remind yourself that the show is made by humans. Of course it is. But when you think of it like within the universe of the show, however... Mm-hmm. It's a little insulting, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Like there's, we were talking about... We, there, is, we, there is a lot of geocentricism yeah. to, to Star yeah, Trek. Exactly. And like, so the idea that like, oh, did Yang want to be human? Maybe Yang just wanted to be Yang, man. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's raises the, such well, beautiful the, questions. The, that and, Yang wanted is, yeah, is of It's fascinating. Concern. Yeah. It, it, it's something that they'd never seriously considered before. And there is something just inherently beautiful. But this is a film directed uh, by Koganada. Uh, they had previously done the movie Columbus, oh, uh, yeah. starring uh, uh, John Cho, I like and uh, I think it was Haley Lou Richardson, who's yeah, also in this. It is. Um, so uh, yeah, it, he's an incredibly powerful filmmaker who, through use of silence and through the use of clever framing, can make movies that are very pensive completely absorbing and thrilling. Yeah. And this is one of my favorite science fiction films in a really long time. All right. Just period, which Wait. is saying something. Um, we just and, reviewed another one of my favorites on our shorts mm. podcast. Oh, uh, the, 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 the uh, it's called um, Hold, Please. Oh, yeah. There's, a, there's an Oscar nominated short this year, which is a great science fiction story that completely relates to uh, the prison system, the way it works now. Really, if you get a chance, see Hold, Please. It's fantastic. It's like 12 minutes long. It's great. Uh, but this is a brilliant, brilliant sci-fi film, and I'm going to say this thing, and I say it a lot, not as often as I'd like, for reasons that would all explain in a minute. 
Uh, but um, it is way too early in the year to start saying this is one of the best movies of the year. It's March. You can start. No, I'm not going to do it. I think it's All bullshit. Right. I think uh, you, it, people are like, I've heard people say like, oh, what Oscars will the Batman be up for? I'm like, I don't know. Let's wait 10 months and see what it's up against. Let's, let's wait 10 months and see if we're even talking about it. Also fair. Mm. But my point is this. It's too early to call this one of the best movies of the year. But, and this is something I'll say whenever this comes up. If this doesn't make my top 10 of the year list, mm. we're going to have a great year of cinema. <laughs> because this is an intensely moving, mm. interesting, thoughtful, engaging. Colin Farrell is so wonderful in this movie. Like, everything about this movie is legitimately great. And I hope people see it. It is currently on Showtime. In addition to being in certain theaters, I beg of you, don't miss this movie. It is so wonderful. I was having a conversation um, uh, with a friend, and we were talking about movies that are sort of inspirational, like, uh, you know, get, make you feel like, oh, life is great, isn't it? And I realized I don't have a lot of those. There's yeah. not a lot of movies that I turn to. It's like, you know, t tell me the world's a better place. Like, there's only a small handful, and... Other than that, I just look for quality cinema to remind me of that. This is a movie that I feel makes me feel better about being alive. Hmm. How often can you say that? So, please see... You need to see this movie because you're going to love this. Hmm. But I hope everyone else yes. at home does too because this movie is amazing. I know it's playing in theater in certain theaters right now, probably just in yeah. big cities. And, uh, and And it's on, weirdly enough... Showtime. Yeah, it's on. I mentioned this. It's on Showtime, yeah, which, which is mm. unusual. Usually, it's, it's, something like this usually opens on like if it's going to open a theater, it probably open on like streaming as well. Of that, but yeah, yeah well, whatever. Wherever when, uh, when, the important thing is that more people can see it. Yeah, I, I think uh, that's what counts. Well, once it's sort of a little bit more because I don't have Showtime. Ah. And, uh, you know, it, uh, in some ways, I just don't want to go to the trouble. Uh, but yeah, if, if how it, many streaming services sort of, are we supposed to have at this I know, point? Exactly. It's like a, a in addition to cable. If you want that to too, get, yeah, just to see this one it's not worth it. You can if you want. You can. Mm. They they do have free trials. Mm. So if you want to like get Showtime for a week, watch this movie, uh, yeah, and they cancel um, it. You can. You can only do that so many times. But I will say this: this time it'd be worth it. All right. Yeah. I'm sorry I missed it. I've, I've heard nothing but good things about it. Well, let, then let's move on to the movie that only you saw and mm. I didn't, which is called Asking For It. Okay. Um, Asking For It is one of the worst films of the year. Uh, it is It is very, a very, statement. very bad. Um, oh, no. <laughs> this uh, comes from a, a long, broad tradition of the uh, colloquially known genre known as rape revenge stories, um, yeah. which start kind so, of started sorry. up in the night. That's, that's, it's an unpleasant uh, subject, but that's what the movie's that, about, and we yeah, got to talk yeah. about um, it. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's, um, it's about a group of uh, young vigilantes who are sort of on... Uh, on a quest to undo misogyny. And there's, you know, a, a lot of uh, echoes of um, Promising Young Woman in here. Well, I'll, I'll just all the more notable films in the genre. Well, the, the I think the best one of these we've seen, and, and this is our only our opinion, obviously, but uh, as much as I like Promising Young Woman, was uh, Sweet Vicious. The Sweet TV yeah, series on MTV. on MTV. That was that was really good. Um, it was about uh, two college students yeah. who become uh, vigilantes on campus uh, and basically beating the crap out of anyone who takes advantage of women. Yeah, it's a it lasted one season. You can watch that one season and get the complete and get a complete story out yeah, of it. It's they, not like you're going to end on a cliffhanger. Uh, they, it's really good. The, the, the pilot is awful, but after, <sighs> after the pilot, it's actually really quite. It's good. it's a difficult thing to yeah. set up, but once it's set up, it's mm -hmm. fine. And the, and the yeah. episode's only thirty minutes long, so they, they get um, out of real fast. 
But yeah, uh, the main the character is a young woman named Joey. She's played by the actress uh, Kiersey Clemens. Okay, um, from uh, from Zack Snyder's Justice League. That's right. She uh, she was the uh, woman in the uh, flipping upside down car that the Flash yeah. rescued. When the Batman, mm. uh, when uh, the Flash mm. uh, stole a hot dog. And like that made scene. weird goo goo yeah. eyes at her while she yeah, was she, she was the one driving. Yeah, that was weird. Um, she was also uh, she was also in Lady and the Tramp, uh, that, that particular didn't, remake. I didn't see the remake of Lady and the Tramp. Uh, I haven't seen the original either. But oh, um, really? Weird. You know, okay. There's a lot of yeah. those. You know, the, the Disney animated yeah. classic. I haven't seen. Uh, a lot she of was those. in Hearts Beat Loud. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's in the new The Flash movie. Um, she was was she in that remake of uh, she's that remake of Flatliners. Yeah. Well, remember when they remade Flatliners? Nope. I, no, I remember Diego I Luna was in it. I saw it. Neither did I. Uh, and yeah. Elliot Page is in it too. Um, yeah, it's not a good film. Uh, no, no, no. Uh, and and neither is this. But yeah, she okay. uh, it, at the beginning of the movie she reunites with an old friend. She goes out on a date with this old friend, uh, and that leads to a sexual assault. And uh, she's emotionally damaged by this and yeah. is unable to confront this guy. And is just now living in. A, a world of fear because she has been attacked. And uh, one of the regulars at the diner where she works, played by Alexandra Ship, mm-hmm. uh, uh, she uh, recognizes that she's been damaged and takes her in like under her wing. And she's like sort of like this hip punk rock girl with mm-hmm. the, you know, the docks and really cool outfit. Takes her into this underground world where all of these hip young women have been conspiring mm-hmm. to undo the work of this like online pundit who's a lot like Tom Cruise's character from Magnolia where yeah. he preaches about how men are to be do- are the dominant ones and women are supposed to be submissive and there's all this yeah. racism implicit in all of that as well and a lot of this right-wing politics. Uh-huh. He's played by Ezra Miller. Oh. Uh, so a little little re- uh, Justice League reunion there. Weird. Um, okay. Uh, so yeah, so, it's like, so they're so they're operating as kind of like a secret society or is it more like the X Men, like how, how how does this work? Exactly? It's it's a little What's bit like a secret here? society because okay. they, they're they're all like super well dressed and they all we kind of see their flashback like their stories of how each of them yeah. was damaged in some way or, or assaulted in yeah. some way uh, by a man and how they've sort of come to this place. All this like really like three seconds of like quick still photography mm. and they're really trying to. They're trying to like layer, ladle on this weird kind of mythology into this. Like this is mm. almost a. They're trying this to is make, the start of a franchise. Yeah, like they're trying to take assault very seriously, but at the same time, they're also just paying it lip service and giving yeah. it as sort of like this cheap way to give all of these female characters a lot of backstory. And as such, uh, they're really doing a disservice to uh, actual sufferers of sexual violence. Oh, uh, so it's it's not handling anything responsibly. Uh, uh, Vanessa Hudgens show up, and I do love Vanessa Hudgens. She's brilliant. Uh, and Vanessa Great Hudgens actor. and Alexander Shippen is in this little tick-tick-boom reunion there as you well, because they kind of played the same character. There's good people in, in the film. It's a good cast overall, yeah. yeah. Uh, and um, uh, Rada Mitchell is sort of like the, hey. the den mother of this, and she's really good as well. I Underappreciated like performer, if you ask me. Like, yeah, they, she, they, she's they, got they, a lot of range, Rada yeah, Mitchell. They, they, they tend not to get the best mm. movie roles, which is a shame, but they're yeah. always really um, good. Yeah, And they have this plot because and they have a big tank of, like, supervillain gas that they're they're going to unleash on like this alt-right convention and uh, this gas will like sterilize all the men in the room. (laughs) Okay. This, okay, this is like... That's funny. Well, I was going to say... That's funny. That's funny. You have all of these, like this really (laughs) hip cast and they're all dressed as like these like punk rock vengeance women 
this movie should be like a little bit more fun. Yeah, it, it, should, it sounds it sounds like it should be Switchblade Sisters. Yeah, it should, it is, should have like this like wicked know, like, sense of humor and yeah. that there's like a, a sense of righteous indignation to it. Yeah. That's missing. This movie is just a downbeat drag. But they've they've got and, they've got Joker gas. They've got Joker gas, and, and we're they're taking not a deadly having fun with it. How do you take that deadly? I mean, and, I, I and, know yeah. I, the topic itself at inherent is deadly serious, but like. When you're going to go if, that far in the if, other, if the, the pendulum swings that far in the other direction. Make sort of like this, gonna... this like over the top revenge flick about yeah. sexual assault. Yeah. Uh, Already, you're needs, treading on thin ice. You're treading on thin ice, but there needs to be some rage in there. Yeah, there needs that, to be, yeah. like I said, righteous indignation, which yeah, I think is something something uh, something like Promising Young Woman had in Spades. Yes. I actually admired the righteous indignation indignation in that movie yeah uh that's a big part of sweet vicious as well yeah uh sweet vicious i think uh because of the tv series had a lot more room to breathe and yeah. actually examined a lot more sensitive topics with a lot more sensitivity yeah uh this this is just a movie it's like 100 yeah. minutes a lot a lot of movie revenge stories tend to be a little bit more uh, they go direct. Uh, yeah and they yeah. go into but i think um there's they get the filmmakers are getting way way too distracted oh. with not just the mythology of the assault victims who yeah. are have sort of formed this enclave of vengeance mm-hmm. uh i think they don't have enough character uh, so they they move around as sort of this amorphous mass okay uh and they also try to give this weird sort of government conspiracy to the ezra miller character how it's uh, like in the pocket of the police and there's like this other supervillain <sighs> behind him who's like pulling the strings and oh. it doesn't play that, with that, the, it that, doesn't that, it doesn't play with the reality well enough and it doesn't play with the unreality well, well that, enough. that that sounds like the danger with that though mm-hmm. when you start because the idea is that who are they really fighting against misogyny as a, yeah. as an entity which but when you, know, you but when, yeah, you, when you say a, that which is fine there, but, but are movie, they saying um, that misogyny itself is like a government conspiracy which wouldn't that let like actual misogynists exactly, kind of off the exactly. hook exactly that's that's you know like oh there's oh there's saying, an excuse that, there's a MacGuffin behind your that, evil it's like no that yeah. e- evil is way more insidious than that this this all, mm. this doesn't come from like a source yeah, yeah there, we, we, a, we didn't we didn't all read a blog and mm. turn evil one day it's like no the there, the there evil was, comes from a, a lot, lot of, of cultural signifiers. Yeah, so, uh, a lot here. Uh, there, I was reminded a lot of a movie that I actually did admire. Um, I, I wish they had had a bigger budget, but it mm. was uh, the latest version of Black Christmas. I like that movie uh, a lot. Yeah. Which is also about the aftermath of a sexual assault yeah. and also about trying to find ways to make the assailants pay for their crimes in yeah. a system that protects them. Yeah. Uh, and in that movie, uh, toxic masculinity is a, a physical substance. It's literal. It's something that you can actually <laughs> actual drink. It's a toxin that you actually yeah. drink to become a toxin. <laughs> so fucking funny. Which, which I think is actually a cute gag in that movie. Yeah. Uh, this movie, it doesn't yeah. play like a cute gag. It uh. plays like this really ill-thought-out metaphor for... Yeah. They're trying to say that it, this toxic masculinity is insidious and it reaches very far. No, you already knew that going in. Yeah. Somebody was assaulted at the beginning. We get it. Also, we uh, live in the uh, world. You don't, yeah, we don't need this <laughs> sort of fantasy version yeah. of it. Oh, and, God. oh, God. it's yeah. It mishandles every single element. It mishandles uh, the characters. It mishandles the actors who are all very good actors otherwise. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the the lead character is sort of robbed of a lot of our agency. We're not really sure what their goal is after they do the Joker gas thing because there's another forty five minutes of movie after it. Wow, okay. uh, it's just it's badly edited. Yeah. The, the tone is all over the place. There's all these disparate plot elements and characters that don't fit in. This is really really bad. You know, sometimes... it's just really badly put together. I'm reminded of a mm. lot of. Um, movies about sexual assault that were just made for $50 in like the early eighties. Yeah. They're really um, trashy. Yeah. 
the way sexual assault has been handled in movies historically uh, is has been very irresponsible. Incredibly I, um, so. Yeah. Especially if you've seen as many like bad B movies as I have. Yeah. When they use sexual assault as a way to sort of like sneak nudity into the movie. Yeah, which is it's like grotesque. It's a yeah, terrible, it's, like, it's a very responsible way to make movies. Yeah. Like, and yeah. you know, I understand the need to put nudity in a film in a fun, zesty way. Yeah. Uh, like, just nudity is not in and of itself let's, a problem, but the context have, matters. You know, let's have fun with sex. But and the context really yeah, exactly. matters. If the sex isn't to... fun, if the sex, then, then exactly. the nudity can't be fun, or at least it shouldn't no, be. No, no, no. You shouldn't be equating like, ooh, with they're something using, horrifying they're using this yeah. this horrible scene of violence in order to communicate something fun and that's that's, that's really horrendous yeah it's uh, it, there yeah. are and there are have there have been a few films recently though in this in this rape revenge genre yeah uh that have been made by women yeah uh, there's a movie called simply revenge uh which yeah. is really quite good uh i saw a yeah. film last year which wasn't well received by critics but i appreciated called simply violation Okay. Uh, which is also directed by a woman. Uh, okay. And these are movies that are actually sort of looking at that indignation and uh, sort of tactfully handling a lot of the emotional betrayal and physical betrayal that mm. goes along with this horrendous crime. And uh, yeah. those those movies seem to have a lot more on their mind emotionally and dramatically mm. than something like Asking For It, which is trying to trying to be playful but isn't is trying to be serious but isn't and is trying to say something but doesn't yeah. it sucks well that doesn't sound like it's very good no okay well let's move on because we've got one more film left to talk about uh and this is a this is a horror movie mm-hmm. uh that debuted at sundance uh and i actually got i got to see this back in uh, i didn't go anywhere because king mm-hmm. Sundance was canceled but i did get to see this uh a little early so i saw this about a month, and you saw uh, Fresh, right? I saw Fresh. Okay, so Fresh is a new horror movie. But I, I saw it just a couple days ago. Uh, so you're, my point is, you'll be a little bit more fresh. Um, fresh is a film from director Mimi Cave, uh, and it is now on Hulu. Uh, and I like this movie a lot. The, this okay. Um, this movie is really good. <laughs> look, I've I've seen Jörg Butgerai films, and I've seen Solo, and I've yeah. seen like, Cannibal, Cannibal Holocaust. I've seen some pretty rough stuff. Movies that are intended very specifically to push your boundaries to, of yeah, grossness, to, to really repel like you, like make you go that. This is one of the only times my stomach kind of churned a little bit while yeah. watching a movie. This is pretty this is, raw. This uh, is, this and, is I, and I've seen the movie raw yeah, as well. Yeah, that'd be a good double uh, feature, actually. Uh, Fresh mm. is the story of a young woman played by Desi, Daisy Edgar Jones. And uh, it's, it's you know what? It's 2022. And dating sucks. Yeah, it's, it's about how bad her modern dating experience is. It opens yeah. with her on the worst date possible. Yeah, just that this, shitty the, internet hookup. Like, like, douchey dude that is just talking yeah. about himself, uh, yeah. wears a scarf, uh, talks yeah. down to the waitress. Insists on going Dutch and then takes mm. her leftovers for himself. Like, just crappy. Yeah. Just, and, just and a then, bad and then when, date. And when, he, when she finally just, like... It's like, so, we're going to see each other again? She actually is honest, like, you know what? I'm just not feeling it. This doesn't work. And then he yeah. insults her and walks away. Yeah, like, oh, like, well, like, oh well, you're the yeah. best you're ever going to get. Like, and that then, kind of bullshit. And, then, and yeah. then, he, then she looks at her phone, like, in the next scene, and it's just unsolicited nudity. And it's like, oh, shit. It's like, yeah. dating is horrible. Dating is horrible right now. And she actually, mm. just by chance, is in a grocery store, mm. and she meets a nice-seeming guy, played by Sebastian Stan from Captain America and the Winter Soldier. Um 
Oh, sorry, it's uh, Captain America and the Falcon, the Captain America movies. You know what I'm talking about. He's one of the yeah. he's, he's one of the Avengers. And Sebastian Stan, by the way, I, I like him in those Marvel movies. He's a much more interesting actor than that. And oh, it's golly, always yes. good to see him in something different. Because yeah. he, here he gets to have so much fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it, I saw the, him in a movie called um, Monday last year, which... Yeah. Not a great film, but I think either it's kind of yeah. interesting. Uh, the so for the first half hour of this pretty brief movie, it's only it's it's, it's two hours, but it's very spray it, mm. uh, spray spry. spry is it word, it yeah. moves along at a fast clip. First half hour of this movie is a rom com. It's, it's, and it's yeah. just them getting to know each other, and it's cute, and you buy their chemistry, and they're great together, and they uh, dance, uh, and you like you really want them to get together. And and he's cautious. Yeah. He understands that he, you know, he's actually like very open and talkative yeah. about his feelings. Like, well, I know how certain kinds of behavior can be seen as suspicious, so I'm not going to do that. I'm, I'm not going to be. Uh... You know, he's not flawless rescue stud. He's actually no. kind of uh, a, a little bit sensitive human being. Yeah, like there's a whole bit where like they're eating dinner together, and it, she's just like she's like eating a sandwich, and he's like eating a salad or whatever like that. So are you vegetarians? Like, yeah, I don't eat animals. He's like, Oh my God, it feels so terrible. Like, no, it's okay. I don't mind. It's fine. I get it. I get it. I just, I can't do it. Um, halfway, th- uh, half an hour into the movie. It's, they decide and it's to, when we get the titles half, a half hour into the movie, which is a great choice. Yeah. 30 minutes into the movie, the credits start because 30 minutes into the movie, the horror starts <laughs> and it's good. Now oh, yeah, I'm going to say this right they, now. We're going to have uh, to talk a little bit about what go, happens here. Yeah, if you want to go, go first, into this uh, movie as fresh as possible, <laughs> Uh, you stop right now. We like this movie a lot. See this yeah, movie, if, but know if, that it is gross. If, on the other hand, you don't mind us telling you the big plot point, so we can talk about the movie, continue. Yeah, the, we uh, also have a time code in the description of the episode, so you can skip ahead to our review roundup if you just want to do that. So that's yeah. just your option there. So yeah, the uh, Sebastian Stan suggests that they go on a vacation, uh, yeah. like just the two of them, and it's a big step for them, you know, like a romantic getaway with just the two yeah. of them. Uh, they they go to this uh, fancy house. Yeah. Um, they have a nice dinner. She falls asleep uh-huh. and she wakes up chained to the floor <laughs> on a little mat. Yeah. And, she and she's said, like, "What's going on?" And she's like, "Well," and yeah, she's just like yeah. a little bit blindsided. What's what's happening? And it's like I drugged and, you. And and he and he says like the most chilling thing. Ooh, you're not gonna like what I'm gonna tell you. <laughs> I think I think his exact words are, "I'm gonna tell you." But you're gonna freak out. You're gonna freak out, yeah. <laughs> and it's like, yeah. and your initial thought is, oh, guys, this is some weird. What what are we doing is here? Is this a Christian Grey thing? Yeah. Or, what yeah. what what is going on? Like, how horrible is this gonna get? And it turns out, what he does is he he, he runs he runs a subscription box company. Yeah, and his subscription box sells human meat. <laughs> and in order to keep it fresh, he keeps people alive throughout the entire process. Uh, as, he, and so he's, as he butchers them. So yeah. he's going to keep her alive as he keeps cutting pieces off of her, oh, God. cooking them, mm. and sending them to people to eat. Mm. And... Oh, God! Yeah. The scene where we see him cook mm. is... He's doing something amazing in that scene, but... Oh God! Is it disgusting? <laughs> no, there's, there, there's some gore, but it's not extreme. We're, no, it's not, not, it's not um, as bad as you'd think. Mm-hmm. It's just the context and how overt we're taking it. Yeah, yeah and the yeah. idea that we know exactly what, and obviously it's fake, but like we mm-hmm. see people consuming human meat. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it's not, but like in the context of the film, it is. There's no shying away from it. And it's your skin just like wants to slide <laughs> off of your bones. Like the skin's I mean, like, like, nope, walking away. Some a conceit I I love about most cannibal films. I've yeah. seen a lot of cannibal movies. Um, yeah. And 
and, and it's a conceit that's in fresh as well is that yeah. there's something about human meat that just turns everybody into like this mad sensualist. Like you can't, it's, it's like, like a lace potato every, chip. You can't have just one. Yeah, like you like, gotta, that, that's a once big, you pop, you can't stop. It, it's uh, and either, and another conceit is if you eat it, you either become like super strong and intelligent. <laughs> like in the movie Ravenous, yeah. Like, or, or you eat it and you go insane. Like right. in, in the movie, The Road. Um, well, and there also, there is also like, if you do eat, like, I, I don't know if it's the whole thing, but if you do eat human meat, there oh. is actually like, an actual like brain problem you can develop. Like it's an actual thing. Um, um, it's just, you know what? It's just meat. It's, 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 it's not quite, but like, it's, it's the reason it's why it's, we, like, it's like, it's like when we got mad cow disease. They, they were feeding yeah, cows, yeah. other cows. You, you, that, that will lead I, to problems. I, I, I suppose like, so, know, but um, you're not supposed to do that. Well, hu- humans are omnivores. We yeah. can eat each other. We, healthily and safely. We as, choose as not the, to. As that Ugandan soccer team. I find uh, cannibalism to be like a pretty funny taboo. The idea of like, oh, what? because there, there's a really kind of humorous scene in Fresh where uh, they're talking about eating meat and they're talking about the names of the people that it, uh, it yeah. those tongues of flesh weren't uh, were. Real fast. Yeah, in the movie, I know you're thinking of the movie Alive, mm-hmm. that soccer team, uh, yeah. Uruguayan. Uruguayan, sorry. Just, I said I said Uganda. I, I was I, like, that can't be right. Slip, I was that like, was a slip I knew, of the tongue. I, knew I apologize. That we, I see how you did yeah. it. I, for the, the sake of accuracy. Two countries begin with you. I apologize. There aren't that um, many. I totally get it, it. It was Uruguayan. I knew it was Uruguayan. I said Uganda, and that was a slip of the tongue. I, I'm, I'm not making a thing of it. Just right. I thought of it, and we can yeah. correct it now, rather than get uh, a letter about it later. Sorry. Yeah. Apologies. Thank you yeah. for correcting me. I, 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 yeah. I misspoke. Um, but yeah, this idea that uh, Frank is a sandwich now—like <laughs> that, that's kind of, something kind of kind of silly about that to me. Like, there's there's a, a lot of bit, you know, one of my a little bit comedic element to that. I'm reminded of uh, one, of a Monty Python sketch where a bunch of guys are like a bunch of soldiers are like trapped at sea. Oh, yeah. and it's like, we all agree we're gonna eat Roger, and Roger's like, fair enough. Mm. And one guy's like, well, I don't want to eat Roger. Well, why not? Rather eat Steve. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's like, well, the, uh, one of them is injured. It's like, I've got a gemmy leg. I'm going fast. You better eat me. It's like, oh, the gemmy leg. Well, don't eat the leg. <laughs> like, uh, and then it's like, uh, no, I can't do it. And and he gets really offended. Why don't you want to eat me? <laughs> well, I'd rather eat Johnson, sir. Well, like, and, there's, and there's something like, listen, and there, there, there's a shocking number of cannibalism movies, if you think about mm-hmm. it. And a weird number of them understand that the juxtaposition of... The horror of killing somebody and eating them, or mm. leaving them alive and eating them, and fine cuisine mm. is a weird juxtaposition, and we can get a lot of mileage out of it. There's an amazing, I think it's a Korean horror film called 301 302. I haven't seen that one. Oh my god, people <laughs> do not know enough about this movie. It's fucking hilarious and terrifying. And it's all about a woman who fancies herself a master chef who moves in next door to a woman who is phobic of food. Hmm. The fact that I am bringing it up in the context of of this right now should give you some sense of where that's going to go, but not entirely. Be warned, that movie is seriously fucked up, but good if you can handle that. Much like Fresh, which hmm. getting back to the subject of Fresh. Fresh... Yeah, I, I don't want to go too far no, into no, it, no, but no, I'll, no, I'll, I'll say that... Yeah. Um, uh, 
this is like a, a well-established system this guy has, these yeah. subscription boxes. So yeah. It's uh, a business. As, it's a, it's a, so this isn't it's, something he does for fun. So uh, the, the, the more the movie goes on, the more you realize how disturbingly structured all of this yeah. is and how many people are involved. Once in you it. take something shocking or bizarre, mm. uh, whether it's the existence of ghosts or your cannibalism mm. lunchbox uh, delivery service, and once you turn it into a day job, Mm. you're always going to get something weird out of it. Well, you're going to get something weird out of it. And I do, what I appreciate about Fresh is it takes this, you know, wild, sickening cannibalism concept mm. and kind of follows it out to a logical conclusion. It does. Uh, which I feel like a lot of horror movies or genre films that have an interesting concept yeah. don't always necessarily do. Yeah, they don't. It feels like maybe they're holding something back for a sequel mm. or maybe they just... Or they just did... didn't think it out all the way. No, and more, here, more like, than not. here, without, like, going to, like, some, you know, maybe the... the uh, the greatest extreme, which would be to sort of follow every single person who subscribes. Um, this is a movie about, here's a woman who finds herself in this terrible situation and she wants out. And in order to do that, she's got to make nice with her, with her kidnapper, mm. which puts her into increasingly gross situations. Um, I'm surprised at how funny this movie is. <laughs> this movie is incredible. Partly because the cast is very funny. Partly mm. because the script is very witty and knows. No, they know. The movie is shocking because the director knows when to make moments shocking. Mm. Mostly the movie is actually. The movie knows that it's a movie. It's never like looking at the camera and joking with you. Mm. But the movie knows when this is the scene that's going to gross you out. And we need to build up to it with a musical number or something. Yeah, right. Like it's very, very much designed well, like, for an audience. I would kill to see this movie with a midnight yeah. audience. Oh, golly. Where everybody's sort of squirming. Oh, right? yeah. This is gonna be a uh, great one for that. And uh, and more than that, uh, this is a, a wonderful woman, uh, woman's picture. Uh, yeah. uh, just about... a. The way women are so mistreated yeah. by, uh, at the start, the dating system. Just in general, up, and yeah. How, and how it's, it's almost like set up to victimize women. Yeah. And how uh, this whole, like, cannibalism is kind of an extension of It's that. just a symptom of it. It's, yeah. just, it's just one aspect of a world in which men view women as less than human, or at least less than them. Um. And I and I, I will say this without going again without going into more detail than we have to, um, it's not as bleak as you might think, you know. It's not gonna you know it, it's I, I wouldn't say it's like a yay happy movie or whatever like that. But this is a movie that is knows you want to be entertained by this, mm. and yet they're able to deal with serious issues in a way that doesn't feel like they're making fun of the inherent sociological horrors. That mm. led to the existence of a movie like Fresh. Yeah, but they also know that this is a movie about cannibalism and that needs to be, forgive the pun, palatable. And in order to do that, they have made a very funny, very dark satire mm. of dating through the use of cannibalism. And yeah, it and works and it is so damn good. And, uh, and yeah. it is a really great horror movie. And I and, and, and this is not like and this is not like Good for straight to Hulu either, which no, we've, it's, which it's I've said a, a couple of this times. This is a straight up great horror. This movie, is a straight yeah. up great horror movie in uh, any context. Sebastian Stan deserves all the props in the world. All uh, of them he, for playing uh, the kind of character who a you believe is really charming. Yeah, uh, con convinces you that there's something a little off about him, uh -huh. and really, really gets you to hate him. So yeah. by the time there's you know, certain violent things begin happening in the movie. Uh, you're fine with it. You're kind of okay. Yeah, it's like, yeah, he deserves all of that. <laughs> anymore, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a great performance. Like, seriously, like, mm. the first third of this movie, I'm almost mad that it's going to be a horror movie because it's a good romantic comedy. Mm. And that's something that's... But it has to be to sell all the extra stuff. You need the extra time here mm. because it can't just be she meets him and then runs away with him because you wouldn't believe that she'd do that. You have to b- believe that they have this connection. But here's the thing. Once the kidnapping starts, they still had that connection, mm-hmm. and they're not going to pretend that that never happened. And their and their connection to each other is different between every other person who's ever mm-hmm. kidnapped and done this too. And that's what the movie plays yeah, with in such a, a really interesting way. Uh, there's a lot of great supporting characters yeah. as well. Uh, mysterious voices through the walls. There's a lesbian best friend who has a really yeah. great role. Uh, yeah. Yeah, just it's it's so it's, it's pretty pretty tightly done. It is yeah. two hours, uh, yeah. but it it doesn't feel it. it no, it it's it it's um, not one of those movies that is like kind of taking a lot of time to breathe. I think yeah. it's actually taking all that time to explore this premise, yeah. properly. And yeah, uh, it, not, so yeah, not not a minute wasted. It, it's yeah, it's not like you're gonna look at it like oh, did that need to be that long or do we need the subplot? Like every single piece is here for a reason, yeah, yeah. and it works. And it's it's another again this. I, I saw two amazing movies this week and mm. one that had was mixed bag. Let's review some movies. <laughs> so here's our a movie review roundup. Here's how it works if you're new. Uh, we review movies at the, on critically acclaimed on a scale of C- to C+. The highest you can get is a C+. That's above average. Why? Because a C is average. A C is a mixed bag. It might be some good, might be some bad, might be just everything is just sort of medium. C plus is better than that. We genuinely recommend it. Maybe we think it's amazing. Maybe not. C minus is below average. And that's everything from we just generally don't particularly care for it to a genuinely terrible movie. Anything in the in that zone mm. is a C minus. We do this because sometimes, and I think our Batman review qualifies, um, we might get so caught up talking about what's critical about a movie or maybe what we like about it that our overall takeaway can get a little lost. So, uh, on the other hand, with something like Fresh, it's pretty straightforward. For example, Fresh is a C plus for me. Uh, I give it a C plus as well. Yeah, I, I think it's a really wonderfully disturbing. Yeah, just t- tight, wicked little Tales from the Crypt type. Horror yeah, movie. it's great. If you love Tales from the Crypt, you're gonna love it. By yeah. the way, um, all right, uh, let's see. Uh, asking for it. Uh, asking for it is a C minus. Oh. I, I started my review saying this is one of the worst of the year. It, yeah. it really is. It is badly made, nah. really mishandled. It doesn't really know what it wants to say. It it just it's bad. It's bad. That's a it's bummer. bad. All right. Uh, After Yang is a gigantic C plus. Mm-hmm. Absolutely a potential candidate for the best movies of the year. Again, I don't like calling it that soon, but when it's this good, you have to think it's going to be there. Um, absolutely distinct absorbing thoughtful science fiction uh in a way that's incredibly gripping while being very quiet and i just i really hope people see it because this is one of my favorite movies about the subjects it tackles like artificial intelligence and stuff like it's great nice and then lastly the batman uh, the batman i i I was unimpressed with the Batman. Mm. I feel like there's not a lot to be gained by watching the Batman. Uh, mm. You know, if I, I understand Batman fans are going to watch it just because they like to compare versions, sure. Uh, but I feel like apart from that, this film doesn't have too much value. Mm. Uh, if you've seen Seven, you've seen the better version of this. If you've seen Zodiac, you've seen the much better version of this. <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, there's there's not a lot that adding Batman to this kind of a movie is 
is adding. And in fact, in making it about Batman, you're actually having to make it a little bit more audience friendly. Mm. So you're taking away a lot of the more daring details as a result of putting Batman in the movie. Uh, Mm. As such, it's just sort of pretty unsatisfying. So I'm going to give it a C minus. Okay. Uh, I liked it more than you did. Mm. Um, I, I agree. It's got problems. I think that I think for a three hour epic, I think the story is plays it surprisingly safe once the mystery is revealed. Uh, and I think that ends up feeling like a much ado about not a whole hell of a lot, but I do think it's fair to say that on that the surface elements of this movie Mm. are strong enough that I enjoyed watching a lot of it. I think Zoe Kravitz in particular gets the meatiest role and she's amazing in it. Um, I, I really like the way it's shot. I think it's pretty daring to shoot a major motion picture of any kind. Uh, in this uh, striking and dark yeah, and uh, distinct, very distinct coverage choices. Um, got to give them a lot of credit for that. And I think they got away with it. Um, there's a lot of design stuff that I think is really, really cool. And overall, it's longer than it needs to be. But I, I wasn't like checking my watch the whole time. I think it uh, mostly fills out that sequence. I just feel that ultimately the story that it tells comes across as the style is attempting to elevate a pretty superficial story that doesn't lead somewhere as per, nearly as profound as the style would suggest. Yeah. And ultimately feels at least from Batman's perspective, and he is the protagonist, um, a little surfacy and shallow. And that's kind of a waste of a three hour running time in a mm. way. Uh, so again, surface level Batman stuff. Good. Anything beyond that, anything that would make it like a great Batman movie, not there. So I'm going to give it a yeah. C. All right. Middle C. Just boom. <laughs> Some people are going to like this way more than others. I acknowledge that, but I think there are definitely issues with it that need to be addressed. Anyway, that is it for Critically Acclaimed this uh, this week. Next week, we will be back with reviews of the new Pixar film, Turning Red. That's right. It's, about a, it's basically Teen Wolf, except uh, they turn into a panda. Instead of a wolf. Yeah. And uh, and other things as well. We'll get to other things as well. Uh, but uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you, everybody, for showing up. Uh, please subscribe if you haven't already. If you want more exclusive shows from us, you can head over to our Patreon, patreon.com slash critically acclaimed network. We have a giant backlog of stuff, including all our yesterdays, where we review every single episode of Star Trek ever. We're already in the middle of uh, season two of The Next Generation, so we've got an over 100-episode backlog already. Uh, so that's a lot of content just kicks in as soon as you sign up. We have all, all only the best where we're reviewing every single film ever nominated for best picture. Uh, that is another deep dive with a lot of episodes to catch up on. If you're new, we have for our Batman fans, Holy Batman, where we review every single episode of the 1960s Batman starring Adam West and Burt Ward. Uh, and uh, that has been an interesting journey. Mm. And we got a lot of episodes in the can for that as well. We do commentary tracks. We do hangouts every month. Big shout out, very special thank you to all of our patrons without home, without whom this show and all the others would not exist. And uh, if you'd like to talk to us on anything we discussed in this episode, whether it's Batman, Fresh, uh, you want to correct Whitney about something else, uh, you can go ahead and email us. Our email address is letters at criticallyacclaimed.net. We might read your email on an upcoming episode of We've Got Mail, so feel free to yeah ask us questions or give us mm-hmm. a prompt or anything else you want to talk about. And for those who prefer writing in, perhaps in a Riddler esque manner, <laughs> uh, Whitney, what is our what is uh, our email? Um, uh, what is our PO box? Sorry, uh, address yeah. it to the Batman, uh, <laughs> PO box six four one five six five, Los Angeles, California nine double zero six four. Yeah. 
and, and write it write it in really scary handwriting. Yeah, make sure well. it's legible though, otherwise we won't get it. Um, but uh, thank you for that. Thank you. Let's. <laughs> God damn it, we're gonna get we're gonna get the weirdest shit now. Okay, it's fine. Uh, anyway, uh, so that's <laughs> that's the thing. Um, and we're on Twitter at Critic Acclaim. I'm at William Bibiani. I'm at Whitney Seibold. Uh, we just released some new soaps in our soap store. If you head on over to Salt Cat Soap, it's our Etsy store. You can look for Salt Cat Soap, all one word, or you can follow Salt Cat Soap on uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. There'll be links to the store there. Uh, we have our Vampire Hours Soap, which is a caffeinated soap, mm-hmm. which is totally excellent. We also have some new relaxing massage bars. Uh, and uh, we have uh, uh, some bars where a percentage of their process, uh, or, uh, proceeds go to charity. We have a lot of stuff going on right now in that store. So thank you to everybody who has been buying the soap. Uh, we, we handcraft them, me and my partner, I'm Lapis and Silva. Uh, and the review's been really good. So just, it, again, the support means the world. So thank you for that. Anyway, that is it for Critically Acclaimed. Thank you, everybody, once again for listening. And never forget, everyone is what? The Batman. The Batman. I'm sorry, what?